Today's reading is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, for they were struck down in the wilderness. These things took place as examples to keep us from craving evil things as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and got up to indulge in revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. Now these things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the fulfillment of the ages has come. So the one who thinks he is standing firm should be careful not to fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide an escape so that you can stand up under it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to reasonable people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of blessing that we bless a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. Consider the people of Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices fellow partakers in the altar? Am I suggesting then that food sacrificed to an idol is anything, or that an idol is anything? No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot partake in the table of the Lord and the table of demons too. Are we trying to provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Everything is permissible. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying. No one should seek his own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising questions of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat anything set before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone tells you, this food was offered to idols, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who told you, and for the sake of conscience. The other one's conscience, I mean, not your own. For why should my freedom be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that for which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do not become a stumbling block whether to Jews or Greeks or the church of God. As I also try to please everyone in all I do, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, that they may be saved. This is God's word. This chapter concluded Paul's teaching to the Corinthians on the matter of eating meat offered to idols. The chapter begins by pointing to Israel's history in verses 1 through 5. It reminded the Corinthians how much God did for the entire nation in verses 1 through 4, 
But it also reminded them how many in that nation fell under the judgment of God due to their unbelief in verse 5. That survey of Israel's exodus was addressed to the Corinthian believers who believed they were strong in Christ and could exercise much Christian liberty. Yes, God had done much in their lives and in their church, but he also did much for Israel too. God's powerful acts for Israel did not prevent Israelites from worshiping idols, as we see in verses 6 and 7, from committing sexual sins, as we see in verse 8, from testing Christ, as we see in verse 9, and from being complainers, as we see in verse 10. We too have received much from Christ, but that should never lead us to believe that we are immune from sin. We see that in verses 11 and 12. Although idols aren't real, and there is no spiritual or moral damage done by eating meat offered to idols, there is temptation associated with idol meat. That temptation is idolatry, according to verse 14. The idols are not real gods, or even representation of real gods. Nevertheless, idolatry is demonic, as we saw in verse 20. If the Corinthian Christians participated in Christ through communion, as we see in verses 16 and 17, and then went to the idol's temple, and were involved there, as verses 18 through 22 describe, they were participating in the demonic. Paul said they would face the Lord's discipline in verses 21 and 22 for those actions. It is important then, whenever a Christian exercises Christian liberty, not to focus on themselves, but on others around them. We see that in verses 23 through 30. The guiding questions for a Christian's life are, am I playing with temptation to sin? but calling it Christian liberty, verses 12 through 13 address that. And is God glorified by this? We see that in verse 33, meaning, does it help or create obstacles to the spread of the gospel in the lives of others? That's addressed in verses 32 and 33. Christians may answer these questions differently on the same subject. Here's an example. One issue that Christians debate is whether it is acceptable to drink alcohol. The Bible condemns and warns against drunkenness, but not against all consumption of alcohol. Christ himself drank wine, and most Christians have consumed wine throughout Christian history until very recently. But alcoholism is a serious problem in our world, and many Christians were saved from a sinful life where alcohol was part of their sinful lifestyle. Some of these Christians stopped drinking completely in order to live an orderly, obedient life to Christ. Personally, I don't drink at all for several reasons. But if I did, I would be exposing myself to temptation, the temptation to drink too much, and the possible reckless things I might do while drunk. So if I were to choose to exercise my Christian liberty by having a beer, my faith in Christ and my desire to please him should lead me to be careful about having more than one or two, lest I give in to temptation. We can see that in verses 12 through 13. Also, it may not be wrong for me to drink a glass of wine, but if I knowingly drink when I'm with another believer who doesn't drink because he has less self-control, then I am sinning by putting him into a position where he may be tempted. So the limits of Christian liberty are about avoiding temptation myself and not leading other believers or even unbelievers into sin. We see that in verse 32. Are there any areas of your life where you're living in Christian liberty? but you're tempted to go further into something that is sinful? Are you considerate of the effect of your life on others? 
either leading them closer to Christ or misleading them from following Christ. Let these chapters from 1 Corinthians help guide you in your thinking as you make choices in everyday life. And I hope you have a great day. I'll see you next time. May God bless you.